Okay, welcome back to the Vocation Cancun VO School podcast special. Another one of them. It's one of the last ones because we're actually getting scarily close to the event coming up in, I think, like two and a half weeks when you hear this, if you're listening to it when it comes straight out. We are getting very excited. If you're not sure what it is, it's a voiceover conference devoted to the business of voiceover, and we are taking it to Cancun in Mexico. And it is a beautiful beach resort, all-inclusive. Moon Palace Cancun is the venue. And we are super, super excited about going there. And we have sold out of our vocation room block at the conference. That was our sort of limiting factor. But I believe there are rooms available in the hotel still. So if you do want to join us, you can still attend. You can go to vocationconference.com to get your conference ticket. And you'll also need to contact Moon Palace Cancun to check that there are rooms available. And then if you can get both of those things, you're good to go. So check out some of the amazing speakers that we've got. We've also added some afternoon workshops, small group workshops of up to 10 people. Tina Marasco is doing a special workshop that we're organizing right now, as well as evening parties and other kind of networking fun. And of course, you get to enjoy all the amazing facilities at the conference and lay on the beach in the Caribbean. So (laughs) what could be better, really, in a cold, icy, wet, disgusting, as it is right now, which is, uh, I literally just got in, and it is hideous out there. Anyway, (laughs) on a more positive note, we are talking to Rolf Veldman today. He is the CEO of Voice123, and we're thrilled to say that Voice123 are a partner with us Once again, this time for Vocation Cancun, and we love Voice123, Corin and I, um, we are both members of Voice123 and have been for well over a decade each, and I think I started like 13, 12, 13 years ago, and uh, we've booked some amazing projects with them over the years. We love them, they're a great team, you'll hear that in the interview coming up, and we're excited to show you today what Voice123 have been up to, what they're doing right now how popular and successful the voiceover industry is right now, the impacts of AI, how you as talent can improve your profile on the site and get better and more frequent auditions and get yourself out of any slumps that you may be in. So we cover a whole bunch of areas and that's it. We'll hopefully see you in Cancun in a couple of weeks time, February 9th to 12th, 2023. And like I say, if you haven't bought tickets and you'd like to come check out the website Vocation Conference. Okay, that's it. We're going to go straight in now to Karin Guilfrey and myself's interview with Rolf Veldman. Hello, Rolf. How are you doing? Good. We have started. How are you, Jamie? <laughs> we, we're going to pretend like this we haven't done this said. for the last five minutes. <laughs> nice to see you again. Yeah. I see. I give a little preamble before we go into this so the listeners mm-hmm. know who you are and all your, yep. you know, the background of everything. So uh, we're good to go. So uh, you're coming from the Netherlands right now. Is that right? Yes. I moved there two years ago. But in the five years before, I had lived in Colombia, uh, where back then the majority of the team was of Boys on the Three. And that's where I met Alex, who was the founder of Voice on the Three. And that's how I got to be part of Voice on the Three. But essentially, my wife and I had lived in the Netherlands for a while. We met in college. And then uh, when she graduated, I was stuck 
in finding jobs and not really finding my place. So we had saved some money, started traveling. And uh, we traveled around in, in South America, arrived in Colombia, which is a beautiful country. And we figured we're either going to go back home with a bit of savings or we're maybe going to try and find a job here. And then we both applied to a job and she got it. And uh, that's that's how we stayed for uh, for the first couple of months. That was okay. And then I found something and got introduced to Alex and the ball, start, ball started rolling. And we stayed there for five years. It was very wow. nice. I've never been to Colombia. I would love to go. Yeah, you should. It's a beautiful yeah. country. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So you're um, obviously CEO of Voice123. This is a big player in our industry. Where are you at right now? How is Voice123 doing? Like you were just acquired by Backstage. I'm sure there was a bit of turmoil. Transition. Or... <laughs> yeah. Not turmoil, just a transition time. Let's say, tra- yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's a, was a big project for us. So we spent uh, almost a year trying to get that uh, done. So then we partnered with uh, with Backstage, and then three months after that, Backstage got acquired by Casting Crew. Yeah, I don't know if you know that. So we got acquired, and then our the company that we partnered with got acquired as well. So the last year has been a lot of meeting new people and trying to see how how to operate all these different teams and these these different companies, how to benefit from each other. So we're I think we're still in the integration phase that that takes longer and long. Uh, I was on three as a team of like twenty five people. And now we're part of a uh, almost 2,000 people. So things move at a different pace and, and things take longer. So it's been a very interesting journey. Like I learned a lot and there's still plenty to do in the next uh, couple of years. It's been, it's been fun to, especially now that Casting Crew's in the mix, which is a major payroll company for those who don't know, especially surrounding entertainment and artists. They do most of their work in Hollywood. So we're entering a part of the VO industry that we're ne- not necessarily a part of before. Like Boys on the Three tends to be everything that's not movies and everything that's not that uh, celebrity game. So it's been interesting to see that side as well. Um, and I look forward to doing more with them. So it's been it's been a big learning curve. Do they yeah. have any oversight over the the way Voice123 runs? Because you may know this, and our, our listeners might know this, but Jamie and I did a, a casting uh, for vocation, and we posted it to eight different casting sites like the eight or seven most commonly used casting sites yeah. and it was so fascinating and backstage had really the weirdest submission process <laughs> of all of them um i think it works well for on camera probably that's it um, yeah because that's their bread and butter yeah but i i as a voice actor i would hope that some of the things that we saw on backstage would not come to voice one, two, three. Do they have, do you still have like full operational, you get to decide what happens on the site and all of that, or do they have a say? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's one of the reasons they, they essentially purchased voice one, two, three is because they tried to build a voice over arm and then realized, okay, that's a tough business. We've seen the last couple of years, all these companies come in and they try something, but it's hard and we can bank on a lot of established things that we already have. So it's one of the reasons they bought Voice on Three is because they wanted to get to see how how a team operates that works in the VO industry. Uh, so it, it's more likely that Backstage will change more to us than uh, us to them. For me personally, I used to have a essentially a board of directors, which was uh, Alex and, uh, and Tanya and a couple of other people. And now this is uh, a Backstage team. So I, I run with the same independence like I, I can't just spend the entire budget i might have to get right, an approval right, right. every now and then but uh on the day-to-day it's, it's just me and a team not much has changed uh so far which i which I, 
is something we talked about before the partnership, but you always have to see what happens after that happens. Yeah. But so far, it's been a wonderful relationship I have with Backstage. It's mostly that I can now have more mentorship in the realm of marketing, which is never my strength uh, in Voice on the Three. We, are, we tend to not spend a lot of money on trying to acquire new, new clients. We do try to do it by building things. And we're now partnering with a company who has a lot of experience finding new clients, which what we call the people who post jobs on Voice on the Three. And they can, they, they've been helping us grow that part, which bring which means more work on Voice on the Three. So it's more uh, beneficial to both partners. It's been nice. Yep. So is there crossover between the jobs that get posted on Backstage and Voice One Two Three, is it worth talent being signed up to both, or is there crossover? I don't. It's it's a different uh, a different type of client post on on Backstage. Having said that, I think for those who are on multiple platforms, you often see a job a job maybe posted on Voice One Two Three might also be posted on Voices or posted on on different places. I th- there's no necessarily a sense of loyalty from our clients because all these sites are free, but they tend to be a different type of, of client because they come from uh, on-camera work and then maybe, maybe need a voice uh, a voice actor. And people who come to voice on the three come for the voice part. That's a different kind of clientele. Meaning if you're if you're subscribing to Backstage, you do get a different kind of offering than if you're going to voice on the three. I, I could see maybe in the, in the long distance future where you can maybe say, okay, you, can, you get a two for one kind of approach. Mm. Uh, but so far we haven't talked about anything of that. Like a sort of Disney and Hulu bundle you can get together. That, that kind of, yeah, maybe. Oh. Yeah. Go back to the cable option. Of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you said that they, they post to multiple sites because it's free, but actually Backstage is the one site, the only yeah. site that we found where it isn't free. And not only is it not free, but we had to go through, I personally had to go through a a, a background check in order to post a job on Backstage, which was Really interesting, and I passed, yeah. by the way, listeners. Maybe they'd heard about you beforehand. It was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I had to, like, enter my social security number, and I had to uh, post a picture of my driver's license, and it went through, you know, a third-party system that, I, mm-hmm. that I've used for background checks before. I think it's the same system that they use to get um, TSA pre-check or something like that. So it's not an unknown system. But I imagine that that limits the number of scams maybe yeah they curate a lot and it's very north america focused as well like, yes we're such yes. a global and company also, we can't do that yeah and if you're on uh you know if you're if you're doing something on camera it's nice to know that you went in person to like a warehouse with someone who had a background check <laughs> there we go to film there's no a, home a studio in, in, commercial uh, you know yeah <laughs> but um i have seen less spammy scammy posts on voice one two three lately and i'm wondering if i'm wondering what you guys have been doing on the back end to limit those scams because like i haven't seen any game show announcer jobs <laughs> recently <laughs> that one scam that keeps going around is there anything that you've done to make that better short of charging a fee or anything else no we haven't been charging a fee so the only thing that i i think has changed is we made that flagging part of the workflow more prominent and been promoting it in places like this and on conferences saying, hey, you as a voice actor have the ability to flag if you think a project is dodgy and then we'll follow up and we'll start blocking people from entering. So I think that has been more successful. So um, before it was sort of a maybe a hidden feature, not people, not a lot of people knew about it and knew that we would actually take action. We do the same with like low budget flags. We take action. So uh, we sort of threw the voice actor, train the client and 
uh, I guess that has been the reason why there has been few fewer st- spammy posts. They are still there mm-hmm. every now and then. We still yeah. uh, we we believe in like pass them through first and then check on later, uh, uh, because we rather not have that one true client be blocked. And the price of that is that every now and then there's a scammy project. But yeah, the, the, that whole interaction between uh, us and the voice actors have been has been improving. And that's mostly the work of my wonderful customer success team led by Mariana, who's doing a great job and is very available. I, I, I love that team. Yeah, great. Um, last time you and I spoke, Rolf, we talked about AI. And yeah. I'm interested, I've heard recently from quite a lot of people that they've seen an uptick in those kind of job postings come through Voice123. Is that Does that bear out in the, the data that you guys have that you've seen more of those kind of posts? Yep. Text-to-speech is more popular than ever, especially with the hype of GPT uh, all around us. Everybody is now yeah. in favor of AI and is curious about it. Those text-to-speech jobs started coming up five years ago, uh, one every month, one every well, one every year, then one every quarter, then one every month, and now weekly. As more and more companies are trying to work with with real people to train their models to, to build AI solutions. And most of them are tr- for training purposes, so they, they want to have a, their custom script spoken to maybe create an avatar for something specific. Uh, sometimes it's an actual company that needs uh, the person's uh, voice uh, plus the AI version of that voice to, to do a, a long-term project. There's different kind of text-to-speech uh, projects that flow through Voice on 3. I think it's a new category of voice. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, good. It's, it's here to stay. There's different applications, of course, uh, and we have to protect ourselves. I think that's been most of my work with different uh, the different entities including uh, SAC-AFTRA, to learn more about like how can we centralize contracting in, in these kind of uh, companies that use and, and try to go for buyouts of, voice, of voices, how, what would that look like? Um, but it's, it's still a field in developing. In development. And you, you were in a sort of experimental phase last time we spoke where you had some AI voice profiles on the site, right? That yep. it was all sort of straight, you know, automated almost. Um, yep. What fruit did that bear? What what did you learn from that? And is it still going on? So it is no it's no longer going on, but actually by like a week it has not been going on. So it's oh. not that it's it's was still uh, still reason it's just not that popular anymore. That's why we left it uh, out. The the idea was the uh, for clients to basically toggle on. Would you also like to receive an AI audition? And then one of these AI accounts would uh, additionally to the rest of the people who auditioned would audition. And then we would ask the client all these kind of follow-up questions. Hey, what will you use this for? What do you think of the quality? And um, most of it is still quite underwhelming when it comes to actually uh, acting material. Like fully post, fully produced AI voiceover sound good, but uh, instantly generated still need a lot of work. So we've been just weaning it out because of a lack of demand. And we have been working on a project to get a group of uh, our platinum users together and uh, other volunteers to maybe already create an AI model of their voice and have that as an extra tool on Voice on 3 for them to get booked. Nothing for clients to download the uh, actual AI voice, but for them to listen to the, the script in their mm. words, which is like an instant audition, but not an audition because an audition is your interpretation, but it's like a bit closer to a demo. It's a, it's a, it's a space between a demo and an audition. And we try to crawl into that specific space. But it's hard to work with... Uh, AI, now that, and that's what I was referring to a bit earlier, now that we're less lean, to go through a lot of approval stages, and AI is a, is a difficult word for a lot of people. So if I have to talk to my new stakeholders, cast and crew and backstage, it's a longer conversation. So I'd already mm. planned to have something live now, but it's taken a bit longer. Are you planning to release any data on those 
profile or is it just it just straight up didn't work yeah so we already released a report like a, a year and a half ago we're now writing uh, what we call internally like a post-mortem like the project has ended what came out of it and we try to publish as much as we can without uh, sharing any private uh, information from clients we're going to share all our insights there uh, oh, cool. and we'll put it on our on our on our blogs uh, the booth or voice talks uh, those are the two content spaces we have so yeah we're going to put it out uh, like we, we try to share whatever we can about ai because we know that we're not going to be the builders of it, but ideally we're going to be a place where there's an ethical way to leverage AI as a tool, as a voice actor. So we want to showcase as much as possible. This is what we see, how it's working. This is where we see how it's going. And these are the use cases. This is what you should do with contracting. We're trying to do more around that. Yeah. Interesting. It's interesting. You know, I, I have been a, I wouldn't say I'm a supporter of AI, but like, I'm definitely excited about the technology and I've been very open about that in the voiceover community. And so people write to me and ask me about their contracts all the time. And I would say like last year I got maybe one message a month. Now I'm getting almost an email or a message a day about AI and people wanting to ask me my advice about what to do, et cetera, et cetera. And unfortunately I don't have the time <laughs> to be able to answer everybody. And so um, it would be great it would be great to have a place to send people. And I know Nava is working on this kind of an yeah. AI overview of what you should look for in a contract, what would be could be potentially dangerous for you down the road. Is Voice123 interested in putting together some kind of page on the site maybe that that is an overview of what these different yeah. AI things mean and, and what yeah, you should for, look for like, in a contract, like, et cetera, et cetera? Like from definitions all the way to use cases. Yeah, we yeah, love to work exactly. on that, and especially together, because again, we only see a limited version. We're an open platform, so most of the right. work on Voice on 3 actually leaves the site, so we have a limited view of what happens. There's a couple of things. There's two things in AI that I find interesting. One is that like Voice on 3 exists because we are solving the problem of the brief. Mm -hmm. Like clients needing to get the brief to the voice actor. Of course, getting hiring talent, but us finding or using technology to make that process easier from a project form to a proposal, and then somehow there's a match. There's still a lot of work to be done, but essentially that's our business, being better at the brief. And this is where AI can help, right? If I, as a as a client posting a job, can, can use an AI-generated voiceover to actually request you to do a version of this, but better, mm -hmm. then suddenly the brief becomes something that we can tackle on a deeper level. So that's where my AI interest goes, like uh, use the technology, to solve some of the issues that are currently still in, in the ecosystem of voiceover. And the, the second interesting thing is that we all objectively can say that AI, an AI voiceover, is not as good as a real voiceover. Mm. Yeah. We also all know that a handwritten letter is more personal than an email. Yet we all use email. And I think the generation that made the switch from a handwritten letter to an email was appalled by the, the simplicity and imp how impersonal it is to go on via email, which means that the desires of, of whether or not AI has a place in voiceover that's bigger than a separate category, maybe taking over different places of AI, is potentially not us, but is the generation that is coming online now. You can see that they have a different expectation when it comes to voiceover. Every, uh, uh, and it could be that if, if it's clear that an AI voiceover is there, uh, rather than, a, let's say, a human voiceover, I'll accept it. The consistent results that we've seen is that if you let a group of people listen to an AI voiceover and a human voiceover without telling them one is AI, they massively choose the human one, mm -hmm. even though they don't recognize that other one is an AI. Yeah, uh, They mm -hmm. prefer, just prefer the human version. If you tell people 
there's an AI voice coming up uh, and it's going to do a, let's say it's going to be your audiobook AI. You have a different set of expectations going in to so expect mm. less from it and you might still use it. It's not as good, but you're not paying for as good. We, so we can always come back to the argument of it's not good enough. That's my only fear about AI that uh, our standards go down. Yeah. And if our global standards go down, then AI is more of a threat than I, I think it is. And so I think that the, the letter to email is a nice metaphor for the same for the same trend that might be happening here. Because we all use email in the workplace now. The the difference between a, a, a letter written via an email and via handwritten is the sentiment is still the same and the humanity is still there versus the performance generated entirely digitally versus a human yep. that's a that's a bigger leap you know well that depends if the, if you if the script is the creative part then the ai is just the uh, sender of that script but the interpretation of the script is also no, a human like yeah i'm all in favor of it not being replaced but i can see that there's a use case yeah. uh, for that precisely for that logic that our standards adjust and that we sort of accept okay this is how an ai sounds uh, ai voice sounds like i can actually listen to this audiobook just fine yeah. Mm. And and then the other thing that I wanted to say is like when I think about my children who are five and three, their entire lives, we have had smart speakers in our home and they literally talk to Google all day and they interact, they interact with her. They tell her to turn on the lights and turn off the lights. They ask her what the animal of the day is. And she does a little cute little animal of the day presentation for them. And and they love her and they know she's a robot, you know, yeah, and, but and the amount it. and they accept yeah. it, the amount that they interact with her. If if Google told them a story, they would absolutely listen. And it wouldn't matter to them that it's not a human voice because that is the voice that they listen to every day and they talk to her every day. And it's like kind of creepy. But at the same time, like it's really convenient for, you know, my husband to be able to say, hey, hey, Google, turn off the Roomba downstairs while it's going because I'm recording upstairs and I don't have to go downstairs and press a button. Yep. You know, it, it's it's great. So the convenience of it is also and then also there are jobs that a human cannot do. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, there newspaper, are jobs, instant articles, newspaper, that exactly, should, uh, that's instant a good, yeah. articles or like uh, real time weather updates or, mm -hmm. you know, real time uh, game scores of every single game happening in, on the entire planet. If you want one voice on your whole on your whole platform, you know, they're just jobs that are really meant for AI. And so those are all opportunities. Like, and that's what AI I think brings a lot of opportunities. But if we ask the question, where can it threaten us? It might be that the, our standards go down, which means that what more and more types of jobs, maybe parts of corporate narration, or maybe announcers, we start to accept that this is now an AI voice and it's going to be less. And it all depends on the audience. The audience is the, the deciding factor here, not the companies who sell or buy AI. It's all about what we as humans think is good enough. So that's where, if that happens, then voiceover becomes a more higher echelon craft, but there will be fewer people in it. So the prices of actually doing voiceover work will go up, but there will be fewer jobs, which is maybe going back to 20 years ago. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's going to be a bigger divide between the people who are like executing at a high level. But, and that yeah. sort of speaks to a theory that I think a lot of people have is that some of the lower end work is going to just disappear, right? So where do you foresee the sort of cheaper projects on your site or places like Fiverr, where it's like a much, much cheaper? Do you think those are going to be really impacted by this kind of technology and 
by one of the reasons we're interested in AI is because it gives us a competitive advantage advantage to one of our competitors, which is Fiverr. Right? Mm. The average job on Fiverr, Fiverr I think, is $100. Yeah. Are, on ours is about $350. So it's a different price point. Um, if we can leverage these AI solutions to capture some of that work, that that's, that's like an interesting business strategy for me uh, in Voice Under 3. And I do think that's definitely a route where it's going. That what we have to, what I'm mostly monitoring is whether those jobs that are now a thousand, two thousand dollars, if they become less, and if the if the middle tier of let's say three hundred to a thousand dollars, if they stay the same, lovely. If they go up, that's better. But yeah. they might also go down because more a, a chunk of those jobs might be taken over by uh, AI. I don't know what realm, but it, it really depends on. Again, the audience that the companies that are buying voiceover are targeting and their acceptance of AI voice. So I think for, for the last two years, I've been saying, okay, Scratch VO, gaming characters, uh, long form audiobooks that otherwise would not get made, all those kind of use cases. Maybe co- a corporate presentations is an interesting one. Uh, and, and these new topics that we talked about, like newspapers uh, or dynamic audio ads, right? Those are interesting use cases for AI. And then people with low budget who need a fast turnaround might also use AI because it is instant and that is nice. And especially when we start to translate things uh, in an AI voice that I can let's, I can hire Karen and I can do uh, a Portuguese version of Karen, mm-hmm. that might be interesting. We're nowhere near there yet, but it, technology moves fast, so we could be there. And then uh, that changes the VO. Uh, not necessarily for the bad, it just changes VO. Also work that gets updated a lot, like, you know, pharma or training yep. or stuff like that yep. yeah yeah which which means that the, the pricing completely changes for everybody mm. the way that we think about usage changes the way that we book that first job changes we have to like i think the most important metric that a lot of voice actors don't think about is the the lifetime value of a client not saying what can i get out of this one job but the way that you stay mm. you know in, yeah. in vo is to get more out of one client right repeat mm-hmm. jobs so you have to Definitely. look at that client what is the lifetime value of the client that I'm working with? And those are the ones that you should treasure. Like if you're starting to think about the business part of your voiceover career, like LTV, lifetime value, is the most important metric there is. And and I think yeah. that becomes more important if pricing changes. Yeah, for sure. Switching from AI to how the platform runs. Yeah. I think the number one complaint that I hear from people on Voice123 is that because of the tiered membership system, it seems like the site is kind of stacked against people who are new. People who don't have enough money to pay for a higher membership uh, tier, but who also haven't done, you know, a ton of auditions and gotten a lot of likes. And so they're not, their percentage is not very high on the site. Um, and they're maybe at a, like a, a $395 membership instead of 888 or 2200 or or whatever it happens to be. What advice do you have for a voice actor who pretty much has like a decent home studio, they have some demos, they're kind of at the end of the beginning of their career, (laughs) (laughs) um, ready to start booking work, and they come to Voice123, what advice do you have for them on how they can best utilize your site? Still the most popular plan, by the way, the 395 plan. Yeah. That means that the majority are still using it and 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 majority of those do get the returns. I know there's a group of voice actors that are just not succeeding on voice one to three. And they tend to it's hard to get out of that negative 
decline. So once you're dropping in at lower tiers, how do you get up again? Time is uh, the the best friend of the voice actor on voice on three. It's one of the reasons we don't have quarterly or uh, monthly uh, plans um, because we know it takes about a year to get a good result if you're just starting. That first year is, is horrendous and very uh, depressing for a lot of people unless you have that a couple of big hits, especially if you're depending just on on voice on two three. One of the things that has become more and more and more important is client. We can see clients moving away further from uh, requesting mass additions and going after the talent directly. Uh, so Poison 3 is basically two algorithms. One is you post a project and you get auditions. The other one is you use Poison 3 as a mix between Google and Spotify. Mm-hmm. Like it's a directory of voice over uh, voice uh, actors and there's all these different kind of playlists. We, we prefer not to use demos because our clients don't listen to demos. They live in, They listen to samples. And we try to have people group samples into playlists so p- then uh, clients can uh, jump around and listen to more of your work uh, at their own pace. Uh, so up, up the, updating and uploading a full portfolio of those, vo- uh, of those uh, voice samples and marking them correctly uh, with our system is going to help you get access to jobs. The other one is be, cr- be critical on what you're uh, auditioning to. We have a system, for better or for worse, that sends you too many jobs that might not all fit your criteria. One, because we have this horrible category called English Other, where it's basically everything that is not the pre-listed English, and there's a lot of variations of accents. Like you can, There's millions of them if you go deep enough into an accent, because we don't have enough uh, drop-down menus to get to American Boston if we have to do every kind of language. And then also, uh, well, that's an impossible uh, question. So you're going to receive too many jobs. Try to apply to the ones that suit you best. And the three things that clients find most important is uh, how easy it is to work with you. So your proposal is more than submitting the audio that you're uh, asking to record. It's it's that message that you have and the consistency in your messaging there. I think that's one of the most overlooked parts of being a voice actor is uh, as you set up your business, you almost have to create a persona of who you are as a voice actor and be consistent in that. That means that you have the same reply time to all your clients and you have the same kind of messaging to all your clients. You use the same words to most of your clients. It makes you recognizable. Uh, because the fear of people who go on sites like Voice on the Three from a client perspective is what if this person is difficult to work with? Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mean roll over. It just means transparency and, and being honest with what you're, with what you're uh, requesting or wanting from that client and be consistent about that. So the turnaround time is another one. So you can outcompete a lot of your other voice actors by just being there, uh, being online more. And I know that a lot of people diversify. They are on voices. They're on voice on the three. They, they have age. They have all these different kind of places to get VO. I wouldn't, I would recommend sticking to one or two of them really well, do the homework and learn to learn to really understand those platforms and go into that space, try to build, uh, hack that algorithm. In ours, it's all about turnaround time. And, and choosing the right projects. And the most important one, you said a decent home studio, that's no longer good enough. You need to have a flawless home studio. It's what the number one reason why most people get rejected is, and the number one reason why our clients sometimes reach out to us to get a preferred list of voice actors that they want to work with. They want to make sure that if you work in a home studio, it's soundproofed. Uh, it's not that you have the best equipment, but just make sure that at every amplification of your audio, it's good. And so a decent home studio no longer is good enough. It needs to be a flawless home studio, which is what we're advising most of the people who are new to us. Before you buy a plan, invest in your home studio. We actually mm-hmm. build a new service for us to check your home 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 studio quality from a distance. 
which has been interesting to help a lot of people out already. That's how we used to, when people applied to be a platinum, we checked their entire setup to see if they're basically good enough to, to be shown to our clients first. And we tried to turn that into more of a service for everybody. So I would even recommend if you're starting at Voice on the 3, don't start with a paying plan going for jobs. Make sure that your environment is right. Your entire business model of how you want to present yourself is right. Then play the game of Voices, Fiverr, Voice on the 3 by making sure that the way you build your profile is precisely the way that that company wants you to build that profile. And then I guarantee you with patience, it will come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a long, long answer, but... <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot to talk about there, actually. Yeah. Um, so you just just threw in there very, very briefly, and I sort of made my ears prick up about a, that clients sometimes ask for a preferred list of talent. Are you going straight to your platinum members, and is it just there's our platinum members, or are you literally going through and sifting through and finding the right people? How do you do it? About half of our platinum members are, don't even use the audition flow; they just use our uh, the That's ability so to get con- to mm-hmm. get contacted directly. So it's not necessarily the the platinum group. We don't have a, actually have a list that voice actors know preferred people. We just know that of all the people who applied to become a platinum, we know okay these people have good audio quality. So we've been starting to track the people who have a very good home studio, and we start manually inviting those in case in okay. case that happens. But if a client comes to you and asks for a list of talent, how do you source that list? No, they already have created a project. We just manually invite extra people. That I list see. we I have, see. and we sort of mark them as gotcha. they have a good home studio. They have a good home studio, and we realize, okay, that may be a new thing that we should start offering. So we now also offer a managed service function to our clients, where we do the sourcing on their behalf, and it's no longer a self-serving self-service version of Voice on the Three. But we actually say, hey, these are the ones that we recommend. We basically leverage our own system for that. We essentially post the project and get the right people and do the sourcing and, 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 and do some of the negotiations if needed. And we do that on behalf of the client. And the thing that they're most interested in is, and these are the new type of clients from the last two years are, um, I used to work with a director in a studio. I can no longer do that because I want to hire a different type of talent. How do I do that? And we have professionals in our team who can really work with a voice actor in that case, give them the right brief to get the right, uh, right, right audio back and the right result. And and that's where we have been able to to essentially upsell to our clients and, and find a whole new service, which we call managed service. Right. I see. Do you do you charge a fee for that to the client? Yeah. Yeah. So the we the client tells us we ask them what do you want to spend on a voice actor, so to speak. And then we say, well, this is what the cost is of working with us. And we have an additional fee on top of that that is our profit. We try to be transparent about that. Which yeah uh, we're we're doing the same with our secure payment now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had secure payment at a 9% fee. We've upped it because we made a loss. But we tell the client at the moment they submit a job for $500 saying, okay, we're going to add this on top. This is for the cost and this is our profit. Uh, I kind of like that approach because it's uh, yeah. it, it matches the transparency desire that we have as a company. And so we do the same with managed service. Yeah, But we make sure that the voice actor is paid whatever they want. Yeah. Mm. I think the transparency is key because I don't yeah. think anyone, I don't think voice actors have a problem with casting directors for example taking a fee for helping with casting or or you know things like that uh, but i think the transparency is yeah. the is the place where is the sticking point for most people it's like i don't know how much no. you know is going where and could i have gotten like a, you know yeah if i'm getting $100 more this, yeah exactly this casting director gets 10,000 and something is a ride yeah so. but what's interesting though is that like when you audition you know, through from the agent side, like I have no idea what a casting director is making. I just know my fee. 
<laughs> I, so I feel like the online yeah. casting sites are held to a slightly different standard. And it's probably because it's more of like a, you know, an open an open marketplace instead of... I mean, it's also the future of work. Yeah. I mean, those hidden structures is one of the reasons why there's so many scandals in Hollywood and scandals in those entertainment industries because it's all behind closed curtains. I think we no longer accept that. Yeah. Uh, not, and we don't have to talk about the new generation. Every generation no longer accepts that, that kind of uh, unfairness in that process and a way to, tr to treat that symptom is by just exposing uh, the truth, like saying, oh, this is how we do it. You can accept it or not, but this is the fee that we charge. And this is why we charge this fee. Yeah. yeah. The algorithm currently is set up, right? That it bases who gets invited to what audition based on your membership tier and your ranking and then uh, presumably the, the tags in your profile and your demos, right? So that it's targeting the right kind of person. Um, voices are getting rid of their membership tier from what I I. I'm aware of. Yeah, they have they had a platinum tier, but now their platinum tier is going away. Yeah, so it's all just one tier. Is that a future that you foresee for Voice One Two Three, or does that system currently work as you want it to? The system works. Like I think uh, Voices has a problem that they need to grow faster than we need to grow. Mm -hmm. uh, in the last couple of years, instead of them moving away from us, we've caught up again, and uh, so we're now the same si same size, and they're a way bigger company, so they kind of have to force to grow. And this is a growth strategy instead of. They're trying to get more from everybody rather than getting a few elite voice actors there. But the reason we have Platinums is not because it makes us money. We have 70 people as a Platinum. It's not that many. And the reason we have a Platinum member is because for our clients, we stand out as being excellent. So mm -hmm. we always want to have in every project, we want to have excellent people in there. Not only excellent people, but also excellent people. And so our Platinums guarantee that. So we will always want to work with uh, some kind of platinum membership because we want to have that kind of elite representation because that's part of our business card. That the difference between us and Fiverr is that you always get the best. Granted, they might be a bit more expensive if you want to book them. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily say that the other people who are applying are not great, but at least one person in every project is great, which is what we're trying to sell to our client as well. So I don't see us going away from that anytime soon. The other, um, the other thing that I hear from people all the time, the complaint is... Uh... I get auditions at 3 a.m. and it's already full. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know this is like going down to basics, but I feel like I explain this to people all the time. Why is it that they are getting auditions at 3 a.m.? They think that someone at Voice123 is sitting at their computer at 3 a.m. and deciding to send an audition. But that's not the case, is it? No. <laughs> Necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually not the case. That's why we're 20 person people. This is automated. It's all automated. And there might be a, uh, like we've, we've tried to, we've entertained the thought of, okay, let's give people a range of time when they want to receive the invitation uh, and only send them invitations then. I mean, that could work. And you might all get that same invitation that you would normally get at 3 a.m. at 7 a.m. It is not full because there's a lot of people awake at 3 a.m. submitting those auditions. It's because it's full of people waking up maybe at 7 or 8. I heard that you wake up early a lot, Karen. I do. Like those people. Unfortunately, not not by choice. No, I know. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, I know it's a, a the way the, the algorithm works is it sends out a first batch to the first group. And if there's not enough people applying to that job, second batch, third batch, fourth batch, fifth batch. And there's a logic to it. And so if you have a, if the client says, I have a three-day deadline, then the intervals between those batches are based on that three-day deadline. Seven days, seven days. So 
we have not figured out a clean way to make sure that it connects to every single time zone or availability time that you have. Um, but it's not it's not as if there is an army of voice actors working at night trying to fulfill those projects. The alternative reality would be that you see them in your inbox first day in the morning, and the same thing would have happened already. Maybe people who have gotten in the who've gotten them in the first batch decided not to apply at the time we found it was necessary, started to apply, and it might have filled up at that moment. Yeah. So I think what people are thinking is that the audition is all sent out at once and it comes in your inbox at 3 a.m. and a ton of people are auditioning then. But what's actually happening is the first batch goes out sometimes several hours before you get your invitation, sometimes a few days before you get your invitation, depending on on how long the the client has set as the deadline. So the the auditions that are coming at 3 a.m., it's being sent to you at 3 a.m. automated. And it may have been sent to a bunch of other people but days and right. hours before you. That's why yeah, it's that might have, That might have been an, uh, a use case. Like the goal that we have for this algorithm is to make sure that the client gets what they asked for, and that is they wanted 20 auditions before that time. So that's what we're delivering. And again, there, we used to have the system that if the 20 mark is hit, we cut it off. But then most of our voice actors complain, like, you sent me an audition, I recorded it, I assumed I wanted to upload, and I, I no longer can. So, uh, so we created a rule to uh, to make sure that everybody who receives an invitation can apply. And then our clients start to complain, I got way too many co- uh, made mm-hmm. way too many applications. So now we give them the power to stop it at the moment they want to. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it's part of the business that's every now and then you are in the middle of recording your audition, but other people might be already having might already doing it and are faster than you and then suddenly you miss out on that opportunity. We have no good way to solve that issue without creating a problem somewhere else. But that's the main promise we have. We want to make sure that our clients get the auditions that they ask for. That happens with agents too. I mean, you might yep. you might not see an audition for an agent until, you know, 5 p.m. that day and they already sent out all of the auditions yep. that they got that day and you don't, and you don't even know that you didn't get to submit. Um, You might not have been the first choice for that uh, agent. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting when we did our job, which we did cast from Voice123, actually. We cast Morgan Meadows. She she auditioned on Voice123. We got the best quality auditions in the shortest amount of time from Voice123. Yeah. Um, But what was interesting is because everyone knew that we were posting this audition because we announced it and we said this is you know our experiment and this is this is what we're doing and we're going to make a podcast episode about it etc etc people were looking for the audition so they knew the moment we posted it and it was interesting for them to see ah they posted it at 9 a.m on a monday i didn't get it until tuesday afternoon and there were already 55 people who auditioned for it yeah Um, and some people didn't get it at all and some people didn't get it at all and they were they were sad about that but then that is like, true. Yeah. yeah. Not everybody's <laughs> like, we have thousands of actors. We can't send them to everybody. And then uh, we on purpose don't have a first come first serve for everybody. We think that whole, the reason we have the, the platinum members and the reason we have the ranking score based on the client feedback is that we always want to have that experience that you just had. There are always excellent people in that, in that casting. So three part question. <laughs> I know we've got to, we've got to let you go. I'll, shortly. I'll try and keep it short. Um, Simple, how many paid members do you have on Voice123? And per job, how many people are being reached out to for that job on average? And then in recent years, 
has your membership increased at a higher rate? Has it, did you get roughly the same amount of people applying each year? Um, so firstly, how many members do you guys have, paid members? This is where, after saying so much about transparency, what do you say here, right? Because <laughs> you can do the math based on the numbers, like how much uh, revenue do we have? Should I share this kind of stuff? Um, well, it's global. Voices.com, they say that they have, what, 2 million members? 2 million, apparently, yeah. I mean, we have 1 million members as well, but there's a, there's 100,000 people active on Voice 1 to 3. Mm. Active voice active. active in all the different langu languages. Most of them, as you can guess, are free. Otherwise, we would be a multi-million dollar company, and we are not. So if it's okay with you, I'm not sharing the actual numbers of how many people are, are paying members. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's, there's about 100,000 people who are active in a year. So not every day. There's about 40,000 people active every day. Okay. And for each project, you've obviously got to filter that down hugely. Otherwise, you'll just, you know, blow your clients away with submissions. And, so and not all of them are in the same market, right? Yeah, of That's course. That's why, yeah. why we have the membership model in the first place. We tried it. We yeah. want to get to a place where, you know, you two are most likely not competing for every single job because the client might be asking for uh, a person who identifies as female or as male. Uh, they, they might have it like there's, there's already that's a, a first description and then maybe the native tongue becomes part of it. So you're in your market, you're always competing to a, a couple of hundred. The most popular market we have on Voice on the Three is uh, middle-aged adult men in the US. That's the biggest category. It's also the fastest declining category in terms of interest used to be the main category of voiceover, mm. but with the diversification of talent uh, in a good way, also the changing of people want to have more representation in jobs, that's the most declining category. Uh, so within your space of voiceover, you're not competing to 100,000 people. You're competing with a couple hundred, sometimes thousands, depending on the combination of factors you're in. Say there's a thousand people that fit the requirements of that project. How many are actually getting that in their inbox? Like the like I, I know the answer sucks, but it really depends on how many the client is asking. Sometimes the client, right. client is asking ten or fifty. If it's if it's let's say it's fifty, and it's a very good paid job, not a lot of people get it. Maybe a couple of hundreds, maybe let's say five hundred people get it. If it's a medium to lower size budget, fewer people apply. Then almost everybody will see that project. Mm. If it's fifty uh, invitations, so all these things, different items weigh up. A popular job gets fulfilled without a lot of people seeing it in the first place. But sometimes they're not. And yeah. the lower paying jobs tend to go to more people. That is true. So if you are, which is, if you are a lower paying member with not a great score, you most likely see a different kind of job than if you're a well-performing member with maybe a, a, a medium or higher membership. That is true. That is the way that mm. Voice on 3 works. Right. If a job wants 50 auditions and it's filled up by the first two um, invitation tier uh, batches, rounds, yeah. rounds yeah. Is it then not sent to anyone else? Yeah. Okay. The majority of the work that goes through Voice on 3, you don't see. There's mm -hmm. about uh, 30, and it's the same the same as uh, for Voices. It's one of the things I learned during trying to put Voice on 3 in the market that a lot of investors already talk to Voices, so I learned a lot about my competitor, which is nice. <laughs> Let's say there's about $30 million of worth of jobs uh, that we can see on uh -huh. Voice on 3. Mm -hmm. So we know there's more. But that's what we see on an annual basis, about $30 million of jobs. That's a lot of jobs. Yeah. You as a voice actor will only see a fraction of it because only a fraction is meant for you. And then within yeah. that fraction, you're competing with other people and we don't send it out to everybody. Well, and the difference between Voice123 and Voices.com, the structure, is that they would take a percentage of that $30 million 
because they take they take a a percentage of all their yep. jobs and you guys are more of a matchmaking service that that amount of income is posted to the site but you're not taking a commission on 30, 30 million dollars you make your money no. mostly from uh, memberships but if they if clients now start paying through the site which they can mm-hmm. we put uh, a percentage on top of yeah it we don't take right. it away so if let's say they post something for $500 we add let's say 10% on top of it it becomes 550 Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and we don't 50 see goes that. to what, yeah. and then 500 goes to the voice art. But they are, and, and only a fraction yeah. of them use the paid server, the, the pass through payments on voice on street. And a lot of people use. And the final part of my question to was to do with the amount of memberships that you guys have and the, the rate of growth or decline, I guess. Um, because I'm trying to get a sense of how many people are coming into our industry and joining now versus maybe a couple of years ago, maybe at the start of the pandemic. Do you have numbers on that? Yeah. yeah, the lemming was a boom about uh, like ten to twenty. No, like almost thirty percent increase of members of paying members. And a is that still going at the same rate? No. Then twenty twenty one came, and I had a difficult conversation with my board of directors, saying, "Oh, it's the reflex of the pandemic. Nobody is uh, buying memberships anymore." Also, we knew that I was. We planned for it. We knew what's going to happen. Like that, things will go back to normal. A lot of there's too many YouTube videos that say quick, easy money, free money, go and voice. And that's not how, what oh, it's yeah. like. It's a hard, no. hard job that takes a lot of grit and persistency. So people come here thinking, okay, I have a great voice. Somebody told me I'm just going to do it. It's very easy. And then realized, okay, it actually, it's quite hard. So those people we had before the pandemic, we had during the pandemic a bit more, we'll have them now. People will come in and underestimate the work that comes with. We have more paying members, but it's purely because we have now memberships that are catered towards Spanish voice actors or towards Indian voice actors or Australian voice actors. In the US, it's growing the same rate as it's always been, 5-10% every year. Back to pre-pandemic kind of growth levels. Yeah. 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 And we, we don't have a goal to grow our voice acting, uh, voice acting side. We have enough voice actors. Uh, it's what, mm. If we want to grow that part of, the, of our business, we can, do, we can raise prices. But we already changed the pricing two years ago, and, and we're fine with how it works now. The only thing that we can change that we that we want to do is add more thing to becoming a member of Voice on the Three. Like ideally, we get to a place if you buy membership, let's say the membership for six hundred dollars, you get included a uh, a home studio checkup. Or mm-hmm. if you're at a lower tier, we tell you you don't get much access to jobs for that one ninety nine, but you get like a five step course on how to become a voice actor based. Uh, Maybe we've partnered with a company who can help us out there. But like those are the kind of items we want to bring, maybe access to equipment or access to to other, uh, maybe you get a Source Connect uh, access through us via membership. So those are the things that we're, we're trying to research for the next year and a half. How can we add more to a membership rather than just access, just access to job without losing our core persona, which is precisely the matchmaker. Like the fear of this is always, we become too much of a middleman. And I don't think that's where any industry in the world is heading. It's actually further away. Like for for a long time on conferences, like the future is pay to play. The future is these marketplaces. Like we're so old now. I'm voice on three is twenty years in the making. We've yeah. slowly become the past. Maybe in the next five years, if we don't change, because yeah. there's a whole new way of doing voiceover. So we need to adjust as well without losing our core fundamental uh, value that we bring, which is matching people and them building the relationship themselves. So what our internal vision is is that we're moving more away from middleman features and more like a a Shopify for voice actors, right? You have a tool to maybe manage your contacts and you get a tool for maybe managing your taxes or uh, or managing your client inbox. 
and and we just facilitate those kind of tools. Uh, that's more likely the future of voice one two three rather than trying to get more and more and more and closing the platform more and more. It doesn't fit us. Yeah. Okay. So voice one two three CRM is in the pipeline. Something in that <laughs> making is yeah, yeah. I think you can already see on the voice one three like this is how many how many how many uh, budget how many projects and with this kind of budget you have received. Uh, we sort of now that we have a booking functionality for the first time, we can see how many people are getting booked and how well, like we have a question: how many people make back their investment of the membership on Voice on the Three? And we can only see a fraction of it because only ten percent of our clients use bookings. But in only in the ten percent, like half of the people make back their uh, membership in the first year, and if you extend that by three years, they make it back mm. uh, because. The most fun thing about going to a conference is voice actors coming up to me and my team saying, I got my first job working on voice on three and I still work with that client. Like that's where the value of voice on the three is. It's not in every year you make thousands of new clients that will bring you your income. It's that, it's that those clients that keep coming back that you have taken a relationship out of voice on three and managed it your own for the long term. That's where VO is. Uh, I think we should not lose that. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. We have to let you go, but before you run off, <laughs> um, I'm interested. To, I think you kind of already answered this already with the sort of studio quality question uh, answer. But what is the differentiator? Would you say the biggest differentiator between people that succeed on Voice One Two Three and those that struggle? Is it mainly the the quality of the audio, or what would you say? And their pitch, like they're the people that are okay. performing well on Voice One Two Three, and not the pitch as in the way you do your voice, but the pitch yeah. uh, and the consistency of how you operate your voiceover as a a business. We have a couple of very impressive people, like uh, Rachel West is a is a voice actor on our platform. One of the reasons she does well is because she's very consistent and delivering on what she promises. Where a lot of voice actors fail is that they overpromise and underdeliver. Mm-hmm. Like I can do this, mm-hmm. it turns out you can't. And people talk to each other. The world is not that big, so you won't will no longer be recommended. And I can see in the people that do well on Voice on the Three is that they have sort of like a business card message that they adjust to the person in need. They have a style of interaction with a client. That kind of consistency and thought behind that part of your business, those are the people that succeed on places like Voice on the Three where you get introduced to the client. We are not the agent talking to the client. You are talking to the client. So you have to be prepared for what you're going to say and, and, uh, and what you want to project onto them rather than I have this amazing voice. They're also manufacturing a relationship with you. So what are you bringing to the table outside of that? The people who've thought about that aspect of the work, they succeed uh, in and outside of voice on the three. I don't think that's voice on three specific. Yeah, fascinating. I just want to say thank you for being here. And also thank you for always being open and transparent and to for going to the conferences and for interacting with all of us. I think if anyone thinks that they don't know anything about voice one, two, three, or that it's secret. It's because they haven't been paying attention, (laughs) not because you (laughs) are keeping anything close to the, close to the vest. And it's just so I'm, I, I appreciate it so much that you speak so openly to all of us and that you make an effort to come out and, and connect with us and connect on podcasts and all of that. It's, it's awesome. So thank you for being here today and for, and for being there for a lot of different things with all of us. Thanks for saying that and thanks for this interview, but it's also the part that we, and not just me, but we enjoy the most, like, because in the end, that's where we have voice on the three. It's not a vehicle for everybody to make the most amount of money. A lot of people have dedicated a significant part of their life to voice on the three, my team, 
and and they want to be part of something that has i used to believe that, that like the corporate values on a website like that's the most cringe thing ever right <laughs> but i've learned sadly more and more how important that part of a company is like we have a couple of values and transparency is the number one that when we hire a new person of voice on the three it's something that we try to figure out is that important to you as well because it's something that we use so uh, it's nice to see to get that recognition but it's also the thing that drives us the most and just to put a button on that, that we have interacted with various team members over the years working with you guys, and everyone is super professional, but also there's a sort of passion there and interest in the subject matter, and it does come across. So, you know, you guys have a great corporate culture there. So, yeah, congrats Thanks. on that. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.